I'm Caddy. And I'm Hannah. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! Hello, and welcome to the fourth installment of our February series on romances by black authors, which I have thoroughly enjoyed. Samesies. For the record. Oh, yeah. Uh, It has been a delightful month of delightful books. And so this week, we are reading Full Disclosure by Cameron Garrett. And so this is a book about Simone, who is a high school junior, and she is HIV positive. And so the book is about, I mean, so many things, but <laughs> so many so things. So many things. So many things. Um, but it's about navigating her friendships and navigating navigating her first relationship while being HIV positive and navigating, as the title suggests, how and when to disclose and the fear surrounding that. Uh, And it's also about, uh, so Simone loves musicals, and it's about Simone student directing her first musical, which is super fun. And it's about sort of navigating family relationships and navigating wanting more independence than your parents necessarily want to give you. And um, and it's about queer politics and so much good stuff. So I'm very excited to get into it. This was such a fun read. Um, I know that when it came out last year, I think all of us were very excited. Yeah. Um, because the cool thing is Cameron Garrett is a teen herself. Oh, I didn't know that. So she sold this book when she was 17. So it's like YA written by a young person well ya by yp we could say yeah (laughs) um which i think is really cool that is extremely cool yeah when you read this book like it doesn't read by a book that was written by like as a book that was written by a teen it reads as it's a very well written ya novel well written well researched fully fleshed Mm. characters um doesn't take people for dodo birds like it it's it's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's a solid read. And it's tough because uh, usually I enjoy spoiling books. I can't spoil this one because I think it's it's too recent of a book. Yeah. Um, and so some things we're just kind of going to have to talk around. But I really, I can't stress enough how much this book spoke to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I really dug it. I uh, grew up in, uh, so I was born in 84. Mm-hmm. So grew up uh, in the height of like the AIDS epidemic. And mm-hmm. when I was eight, I remember seeing uh, I remember seeing Philadelphia. Okay. Like I was eight or nine years old. And like that is when I like I had been aware of HIV AIDS and mm-hmm. and I had heard it on the news and my parents spoke about it and things like that. But that for me was such an eye opening moment in my development. It should have been a hint uh, of of the queerness to come. Um, But it was a movie that, like, I remember Mm -hmm. being shaken to my core by this movie. Like, we watched Mm -hmm. it as a family, which is weird, but anyways. Um, Mm -hmm. And it 
sparked this interest Mm -hmm. and it made me become like a baby activist. Like I was very much into um, gay AIDS related movies, literature, plays, um, all the way into my teens. Like Mm -hmm. I was like the I was like a weird 12 year old who was like, I want to watch like a movie about like a bunch of 40 year old gay men, three of whom have HIV and they're Mm -hmm. they're coming to terms with their sexuality because homosexuality was starting to become a bit more mainstream on TV and in in the pop culture sphere. So Mm -hmm. this book fits right in. Holy cannoli, would I have gobbled this (laughs) up as a young teen? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's yeah, it's beautiful. And so I'm coming from a place of I I mean, I obviously like I'm aware of the broad strokes of sort of the history of AIDS, but much it wasn't something I had done a lot of like deep diving into. So I really enjoyed it. Um and I mean, it's just it's so good on so many from so many angles. Like I think that's one of the things that I have appreciated so much about a lot of the recent like realistic YA that we've read is it's like books that so masterfully are not just about one thing. Like, obviously, like, the main, like, back cover summary of this book is Simone is a teen living with HIV. Yes. Um, But it's also about so many other really... Heck, yeah. Really great and important things. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I think one of the things that really struck me was um, Simone has so many identifiers like she's uh she's a great character she's like mm-hmm. bisexual black but not just black dark skin mm-hmm. um she you know is the child of two gay dads mm-hmm. she is a theater director she is mm-hmm. like she is a multitude of things yeah and the hiv factor because uh I really like the fact that, like, HIV is not, like, she she doesn't contract HIV through a traumatic mm-hmm. uh, circumstance. Like, uh, she got it from her mom uh, yeah. in utero and actually at birth. And uh, so it is quite interesting because for her, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. And there is this stigma that exists Mm -hmm. you know even today when like you know medicine has science and medicine have done some pretty cool things and you know now we're at at a Mm -hmm. stage where at a stage rather where uh if your viral load is undetectable it Mm -hmm. is like you cannot transmit um hiv to to another partner and and yeah, and I love that because of all these things, like it's taken into consideration. Mm-hmm. She doesn't identify herself as an HIV positive. Like she's not like, this is not the only thing that defines yeah. me. I'm a teen. I am a young person in like search of independence and affirmation from my mm-hmm. parents and, and all of that. And it's really nice to not overly dramatize, like she doesn't overly dramatize yeah. that in herself. Well, I think this book does such a good job of illustrating that, like, sort of where, at least for her, where we're at with, you know, medicine and stuff, by far the biggest problem for her of having HIV is other people's attitudes towards it. Um, Like, the medical stuff for her is, doesn't really encumber her much at all. Like, she's, you know, she has to go to a lot of doctor's appointments and she has to take meds. Um, But the, the real way in which HIV is a barrier is that everybody else is so freaked out about it and so judgmental about it and just like so uneducated 
And so I think I don't I love that about this book because it's I think even just like in the wide like that is such a thing in the wider world is people not so I was describing the book we were reading this week to a friend and I was like, you know, it's about an HIV positive teen. And I think her react her response was like, Oh, that must be so sad. And I was like, No, because like it's not actually like medically that big of a deal anymore. Like it's extremely treatable. Um the book is mostly about like sort of her coming up against stigma. Um, like, it's not a book about a girl who's dying. Exactly. And I think that's still... Well, well, we get that with her friends a little bit. Like, that's still what people think when they hear HIV is that it's a death sentence. Absolutely. And, and I think that I think that regardless of the amount of work that's been done, mm-hmm. it's work that's going to have to be done for yeah. forever. Yeah. Because there is... It's like a lack of popular knowledge. It's like when it stopped being, uh, and I'm using quotation marks here, epidemic, Um, you know, and like all of a sudden once the meds were Mm -hmm. effective, people's life expectancies expectancies, uh, started, Mm -hmm. you know, getting much longer. And, and, you Mm -hmm. know, today it's... it's all right. Like, yeah. it's, it's it's okay. Like, I'm not saying go out and throw yourself uh, in a at-risk situation. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, the the, the, the urgency and the, the mm-hmm. yeah, it's no longer a death sentence. Yeah. And the fact that uh, Cameron Garrett was able to write this story yeah. and from the get-go say it's not a life sentence. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not she's she's not gonna die the new like the the noise around Simone is a little bit that but yeah this book also does a whole lot of education oh yes and I find that it is masterfully woven in oh like it doesn't feel like exposition or um yeah it does very good educating without it feeling like that's what it's trying to do Absolutely. Um, around HIV and also around lots of other things. Like I, one of the other main things that I didn't realize this book was going to deal with so much is like biphobia and sort of like queer gatekeeping. And uh, and that was really, really lovely and super great. Um, really, really enjoyed that. Yeah, um, it's really neat. I think there are a couple of there are a couple of moments. Uh, there's a moment mm-hmm. where she is uh, where Simone is is in a doctor's appointment, mm-hmm. and I think that is about as much exposition as we get. Because even yeah. though she's you know she she's been HIV positive since birth, um, there is this moment of like reminding her of uh, her doctor reminds her of you know the necessity to protect herself and yeah. things like that and. Um, and it's interesting. Like, I, I was like, mm-hmm. if this is as, like, preachy yeah. as this is going to get, I can I can handle this. <laughs> like, there are a lot of other writers who can maybe take a, take a cue here. Yeah. Right? And uh, I find that... I find that fun. I think mm-hmm. that it's it's nice to see these uh, multi-hyphenate types of identities mm-hmm. and have them be normalized. I think that's the big thing is that like the, this book is squarely like I think is the book that deals with marginalized identities in a way where that normalizes them. And I think one of the big things for that is all of the sort of like 
marginalized identities that Simone holds, there are also other characters in the book that share that with her. And I think that's a big, that's a big sort of way we've progressed in why even in the last five years is you used to get like, you used to get books, you know, about like, about black kids, about queer kids, about sick kids, even sometimes um, not that much. But they were, it was usually like, they were the one character. Um, whereas like, I think the majority of the characters in this book are are people of color. Yes. Um, the majority of the characters in this book are queer. Heck um, yes. And there are, like, there is a group of other HIV positive kids that Simone interacts with and knows. Um, and it's just super lovely because, like, I just, there's so much community in this book. I think that that is such a good point. It really is a book about community. It really, really is. It's a, it's a book about mm-hmm. uh, about finding your tribe. It's a book about um, you know there's there's a beautiful love story between yes, Simone and Miles. So sweet. Um, it's very sweet. Um, um, but it is also about the different kinds of love that we encounter. Mm-hmm. Um, I, maybe we can get into uh, her relationship with her friends. Uh, yeah. So Simone has uh, two best friends, uh, mm-hmm. Claudia and Lydia. Uh, Claudia is uh, an asexual lesbian mm-hmm. and uh, Lydia is bi, uh, mm-hmm. like Simone. And uh, the amount of love that exists between the three of them, mm-hmm. I find reminded me of the intensity of my relationships with my friends around the same age right mm-hmm. like even developmentally it's it's, yeah. it's it's documented you know like especially uh especially you know if we're thinking in a binary perspective especially mm-hmm. with girls like yeah. there is something profoundly important about uh the mm-hmm. the ties to a community that you have yes. about about the the intimate friendships that border on on romantic love like where those lines are slightly muddled Mm -hmm. and all that like and i found that it's done so well they're so fun no one is perfect yeah i really they're they're all very imperfect in a very real way and they have to navigate a lot of things and but i think they do it with a lot of love Mm. and like accountability Mm -hmm. Um, when did you find your tribe I was older than Simone. I yeah. was like, um, I was in like my l- very late teens, early 20s when I found my people. Um, yeah. And just got to see most of them this weekend, actually, which was extremely lovely. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I found my, I am a huge nerd. I found my people at Model Parliament. Um <laughs> Listen, between the Twilight fan fiction and Model Parliament... You are my hero. This is Thank awesome. You. Thank you. I'm I'm right here <laughs> geeking out with you. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, I you know what? I have ceased trying to pretend that I'm cool. Just truly. Um yeah. And that's what makes you cool. Yeah, I spent uh, I spent my weekend wearing a, a very silly black robe taking notes while teenagers fiercely debated fake legislation about topics they care about. It was great. <laughs> oh my god. This is this sounds like the dream. <laughs> I love it. I really, yeah. I really, I think that's great. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's good. It's my people. Yeah. As we say. But yeah, so I love, I love the relationships in this book and sort of the, the, the development of community. We're not going to spoil it, but there's a, 
oh, just the ending of this book and sort of how how Simone experiences different people coming through for her in ways she didn't expect them to is just so beautiful. It really is. So beautiful. It really is. And yeah, and she has she has multiple communities, which yes. is nice because like even though her friends are are the ones that are the closest to her. Mm-hmm. Um, they also challenge her and, and yeah. you know, keep her keep her in mm-hmm. line. Um, her dads. Can we talk about her dads? Oh, her dads. Oh, they're so sweet. Um, so Simone's dads are awesome. They are simply good parents. Yes. And I think we've spoken about this in several episodes about like mm-hmm. how sometimes parents in, in YA novels feel like they feel like afterthoughts mm-hmm. or they feel like they're not fully fleshed out. Yeah. But these two, they're parents who have made mm-hmm. the choice to raise a family and to mm-hmm. uh, and to be parents. They are yeah. not Simone's friend. No. <laughs> they are her dad's. Yeah. Uh, I think that's real as like as mm-hmm. someone who's who's starting to think about what what family means and looks yeah. like and stuff like that. It's nice to see that like a family can function with structure and with a, with discipline but with love. Yeah, at the with same like time. firm boundaries yes. but also a lot of closeness. Um Yeah, and how oh, they're such good dads and they like they also recognize like the ways in which there may be they they need to sort of grow and change and they and they do it and it's oh they're such good dads. Yeah, I think that portraying parents as evolving characters yes. is something that I appreciate. You know, the older I get, the closer mm-hmm. I get to 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 parenthood as well and yeah. and it's nice to see parents make decisions for themselves and say mm-hmm. like Ugh, okay I have to trust more I have to grow I have to yeah. think differently I have to give my child space etc mm-hmm. it's 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 comforting yeah and as an adult who enjoys YA novels it's also a nice way to find yourself in the book as well true right yeah. like it's almost aspirational mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's lovely that's oh, really great um Okay, I've um so I have an I have a, a a topic change. Oh. Um if that's if we're okay with that. Always. Um of another thing that I so another thing that I really an element that I really loved about this book is um this is the first protagonist that I've ever read who is interested in the arts in a kind of non-traditional way. Um, so Simone like adores musicals like number one priority for her is musicals and it's adorably hilarious how um, like snobby she is about it but she she has no interest in being an actor none and and none at all she but but her passion that she has like discovered at this very young age is she wants to direct and I think that's like because you when we see kids who are interested in the performing arts you you always only see the kids who are interested in the performing part of the performing arts and you never you never see a character who like their passion is the backstage the production um but that's like a super valid way to have a passion for the arts and to be involved with the arts and I love I love that this portrays, like, Simone is a director, and that's what she most wants to be. Like, it's not like she wanted to be an actor, but she wasn't good enough or whatever. Um, 
like she is interested in going into directing and i think it's really lovely yes it also shows how decisive she is yes. right because directing is no small feat yeah. requires a little bit of personality if, mm-hmm. if, if i can say so myself and i really i also thought that that was really cool mm-hmm. um because it is true oftentimes uh you know think of glee think of anything yeah. that's performative and linked to the arts it's true people who end up you know loving being technicians or mm-hmm. stagehands or whatever it's because well they just they couldn't cut it Mm-hmm. Um, as a performer yeah. and no actually when you think about it like someone who directs has to have like a macro vision of a show yeah and has to be able to wrangle everyone and I actually mm-hmm. found it really funny because I was like okay if I'm being honest yeah my dream has always been for like my life to turn into a musical for like five minutes like just mm-hmm. five minutes of just song Fair. and dance and perfect sunlight and like no sweat stains on my shirt and things like that and mm-hmm. but at the same time I totally love mm-hmm. the idea of orchestrating it too yeah <laughs> um so I really uh I really appreciate it and mm-hmm. uh hello musical references peppered throughout so the funny. book I actually thought it wasn't too much which was nice because there is a way for it to become overkill mm-hmm. Um, it's not like uh, every time Simone walks in, she's got like jazz hands and she turns mm-hmm. into Liza Minnelli or something. Yeah. Like she's just like, hello. <laughs> um, but mm-hmm. yeah, uh, the amount of love that goes out to my fave Lynn manuel Miranda. <laughs> There's a lot of Hamilton content oh, in yes. here. <laughs> which I am here for. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I also really like the everything that has mm-hmm. to do with the musical. That's really good. And yeah, it is very authentic, like her interest in it. Like, um, I notice that sometimes with characters in YA books, like, you know how sometimes there's a character in a YA book who, like, purportedly has an interest in something, but it's just not super believable? Like, it's like they don't integrate it well enough into the character. Um, so it's like, you're telling me that this person is an artist, or you're telling me that this person is whatever, but like, I'm not super like, actually, I don't totally believe it. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, it's believable, very believable, but not overdone in this book. Um, yeah, like Simone's deeply into musicals. She is, she's there for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so am I. Uh, and are you? I am, like, medium into musicals in that I, like, really enjoy musicals whenever I see them, but I am not one of these people with an encyclopedic knowledge of musicals or who has, like, seen all of them. Um, But I I do really enjoy the genre. It's a great genre. Um, It's so good. It's, I mean, what's not to like about a musical, honestly? Exactly. Think about it. Imagine you wake up and you break out into song. Yeah. What? more and I try it my partner has a tendency to (laughs) quash that very quickly (laughs) I could see how that would be you know frustrating if you're trying to sleep or if you're not a morning person but she is a morning person I think I'm just a horrible singer but um which is okay and I own it and I love it I still sing my heart out um Mm -hmm. but yeah oh did you grow up, uh, I know this is a bit of a, like, just departure from the actual book. It's just it's I'm trying fine. to not spoil it also. So, yeah, it's um, difficult when we're trying to not spoil it. It is. Um, did you, when you were in school, did, like, big musical productions, like, was was this a thing? 
So very much. So I went to an arts high school. Ah. So very yes. Um, so to the extent that my school would only do a musical every other year because it was such a huge production. Um, and I, I did, I did sets both years. Um, cool. That there were so in, when I was in grade nine, my school did Wizard of Oz, and when I was in grade eleven, my school did Annie. Um, oh, that's so cool. And so I did, like, sets and costumes. I was on the sets and costumes crew for both of those shows. That's awesome. Um, that was yeah. a dream And they me. were, like, my school did, like, real good musicals. Oh, I'm a little jealous. Yeah. Did your school do? No. We didn't do musicals. We, mm. uh, you know... We didn't do lots of arts and culture, if I'm being honest. There was a... An international program school. Okay. So lots of like cultural stuff through literature. Mm. Um, you know, we went for the high art, huh? the high okay. brow art. Excuse yeah. me. Um, but theater, I discovered uh, my love of theater like as, as an audience member in high school because mm. um, I went to school with folks who were, are very smart and who had parents who were like, mm. hmm, let me get you a membership to a theater for Christmas. So that also pushed me to like go so I could yeah. hang out with my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just, I fell in love with theater when I got to Sejep. Okay. Um, so between high school and uh, university mm-hmm. uh, and ended up, you know, going to school to study theater. Yeah. To become a director. Okay. Hint, hint, this book is rocking my world because yeah. it's hitting on some key points of my life. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, the representation of uh, black directors, mm. black female directors, yeah. is very, very scant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We don't get to see that very no. often. They are not generally uh, put forward. I mean, even mm-hmm. if we're thinking about like directors that are not women, that are not men, rather, like I've got Still Julie Tamer so. in my mind and like. Another big name does not immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should know Catherine Hardwick, who directed the Twilight movies. That's true. How <laughs> could I forget? I had to. I love um, it. <laughs> oh, Twilight. But yes, there are. That is not at all to underpoint your point that there are very few female directors and, and even minutely fewer. Um, female directors who are not white exactly yeah let's 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 change the narrative i hope that this book inspires a bunch of like mm-hmm. a youths to be like oh actually i like making decisions and bossing people around and mm-hmm. having a creative vision maybe yeah. i'll try directing something yeah get some other points of view out there yes yeah um so uh there is also uh, some sex in this book there is it was great. Yeah. I was really happy mm-hmm. with it. Uh, it was well done. It was very tender. Yes. Extremely. I mean, I think we have to just talk about Simone and Miles for a little bit. Okay. Let's talk about the um, love story. I'm okay with it. Because they're, they are very tender. I mean, I I adored the whole, like, I am always a sucker in a book for a, like, get together story that is, like... Character has character A has huge crush on character B and is deeply oblivious that character B is also extremely into them. Um, yeah, yeah. I just I love I love 
I love. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a sweet love story. Um, Miles mm-hmm. is a good guy. Miles is a very good dude. I like that we get a good guy. Mm-hmm. It's it's good. I yes. feel like uh, yeah. I feel like maybe the past couple of recordings we've we've had like some douchey, like unsavory, yeah, um, <laughs> male characters where okay. you kind of go like. Ugh. Mm. That's like why do boys have to suck? Yeah. And um but Miles does really Miles is he great. He does it. Yeah. Yeah, and again like it's semi rare that you get a really solid, you know, male protagonist in a love story. Even more rare that you get a like sweet, gentle, lovely black boy as the male lead Heck yeah. in a romance who is not afraid of the fact that his girlfriend was with a woman before. Also true. Not threatened. Miles is so good. Yeah, he's good. He's, he's a great character. He's so good. Yes. And uh, I really, really can't stress enough. I love that there was consent in this uh, book. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not going to give you a play-by-play of the sex scene. Uh, <laughs> I suggest you pick up the book. Um, because it's real cute. Um, mm. Not cute in a, like judgmental way it's really sweet it's very um, sweet and tender yeah and, yeah and realistic yeah actually and yeah. non-penetrative which is kind of nice also because yeah. uh, there is uh, I think Tefer and I talked about that mm-hmm. uh, we were talking about a book where there was um, sex between boys and mm-hmm. it was very penetrative and very okay. intense okay. and it is nice to see that like they're able to discover their sexuality together Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And to take their time and yeah. to respect each other's boundaries. And, mm-hmm. you know, penetration doesn't end up being the be all end all uh, of that relationship. Yeah. 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 Yay. And just on the topic of sex, I love that you also get like friends talking frankly about sex and sort of like educating each other. And I mean, the the scene where they all go to a sex toy store together is just <laughs> is just beautiful. Uh, <laughs> I definitely have memory of being like dragged to a sex shop at like 17 or 18 and being like so like de- basically just having the reaction Lydia had of like I don't like being in here <laughs> <laughs> I am stressed out right now <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. oh, I agree I think it's nice and I think that the discussions around mm. sex toys also are, are yeah. super important okay. I think that we tend to put like this weird imaginary line around mm. sex toy use and it's like something yeah. that only happens once you are an adult or once you are like yeah. in your sex in the city phase of your life kind of thing <laughs> and like no yeah. it's cool you got a bunch of like 17 year olds who yeah. are uh, exploring their own sexuality and trying to understand what feels good and how and mm-hmm. who are like kind of curious yeah. and where that's encouraged mm-hmm. right I think that there are more and more very queer-friendly uh, sex shops yeah. and very education-focused sex mm-hmm. shops. And uh, having them be in, in, in a space that, you know, yeah, that kind of works in that way as well is really yeah. nice. 
Yeah, it's lovely. And I mean, I very much got the vibe from the way the scene was written that the the employee of the shop who checks their IDs like definitely knows that they're fake. Oh, yeah. And that they're 17. Just like, you know what? The age restrictions are kind of bogus anyways. So yeah, seriously. <laughs> go my children. It really doesn't make sense to me that it's... anyone would want to see the ID of someone who would simply like to get a vibrator. It's, it's, it's bananas. <laughs> It is bananas. Oh, yeah. okay. I'm not going to sing it. Okay, cool. Um, no, it's, it just happens all by itself, and I'm trying to stop it. Yeah, um, I, I apologize. No, it's all good. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that is a, an interesting point. Like, why are sex toys reserved for 18 plus? Yeah, they should not be. No. People have sex before being 18. Yeah. I mean, it's this whole thing where we think that by legislating something, you can prevent it happening. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been because you can buy condoms without being eighteen. Heck yeah! Um, and so why can't you buy sex toys, which are like a much lower risk thing to have? Uh huh. Um, I mean, condoms aren't a high risk thing to have. Having penetrative sex is a more is a higher risk thing to have than masturbating. That's true. That is true. Although now they sell, yeah. uh, I've noticed they they they've started selling contraptions and vibrator like things in pharmacies which oh yeah which i appreciate but it's true Mm -hmm. it's like that section of the pharmacy where like if you stop in front of it everyone will know oh yeah i remember just being like so terrified of that section of the pharmacy oh yeah oh yeah it's the naughty section also it's called the family planning section um at least in i don't know what it is labeled as en francais but um, in Ontario, at least, that, that section of the pharmacy is oh, family planning. I love um, that there's signage. Oh, what a great idea. Like, as you look up at the ceiling, you know how it's like, you know, like toothbrushes, deodorant. So family planning. <laughs> well, see, there you go. Family planning on even keel with deodorant. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, do you want to talk about teachers? Yes. I thought that, um, so Simone changes schools Yeah, uh, at the beginning of the story um, because she's mm-hmm. been outed at her previous high school. Yeah. And um, in all the kerfuffle throughout the story, mm-hmm. um, some of her teachers react in a way uh, that I am, not, like once she, she's basically threatened to be outed. Yeah. Um, and teachers don't necessarily react in the best of ways in surrounding circumstances let's Mm -hmm. just put it that way and i was i was kind of glad to see that kind of representation yeah um but it also made me think a lot Mm -hmm. um about awareness for people who work in positions of uh like educator positions i guess Mm -hmm. um because i don't think that all of them necessarily realize the impact of their words yeah, and uh, how normative they can be, uh, mm-hmm. all kinds of normative, um, yeah. and how harmful that mm-hmm. is yeah. um, because you don't know who is wrestling with what. And mm-hmm. sometimes opinions are stated where they shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's a part of me that also wonders if an educator has a, I'll call it problematic opinion on mm-hmm. any given topic, 
as a, a community within a school mm-hmm. should that opinion be known Mm. Um, because it can be harmful. So in terms of protecting uh, mm-hmm. a certain youth that can be useful. Yeah. But because it's also a power dynamic between adults and uh, minors, mm-hmm. um, you're basically in a position where you can't create actual debate. You can't have actual conversation mm-hmm. because there's still a power struggle. And I mean, someone's holding mm-hmm. your grades in their in their in their hand literally um so yeah I was I I sort of wanted to talk a bit about that and about the importance of of being a good educator Mm -hmm. yeah and it's I mean I think where I come down on this is just like we should not allow teachers to persist in schools when they have these sort of opinions so I was thinking about when you were talking about this, so I have a very sort of concrete example right now at university where there are two professors in in the school that I go to Um, in the department that I go to who are quite homophobic Um, and one is very openly so and one um, makes like makes a very concerted effort to not bring it into the classroom and they are almost equally uncomfortable I mean I just refuse to take classes with the one who's openly super homophobic Um, but I'm very uncomfortable in the classes that I have with the one who is homophobic in a very non-overt way Hmm. um and so i don't think that i don't think like making sure that teachers who like have who are homophobic or whatever else just don't talk about it is enough i agree i feel like there should Mm -hmm. uh, i mean this is a a dream and a wish and Mm -hmm. you name it but i've also encountered that uh, and i study sexology which is that says something yeah (laughs) like i study religion so fair (laughs) (laughs) but yeah there is something very off-putting about someone who works in the field of human sexuality who you know anyways uh but uh there is something about about knowing and you know we, t- we we talk a lot these days about the fact that people live in bubbles yeah right and yeah. i'm very aware my bubble is very very liberal very progressive very mm-hmm. queer very non-white etc yeah. um however the importance of coming into contact with other mm-hmm. people without necessarily having to educate them is also important i find and I don't know at what point we stop. Yeah, I think I think mm-hmm. really the position of power really uh, is the part that bugs me here. Yeah. I think that having um, folks who have like, and the problem is they're problematic opinions to me, uh, and problematic mm-hmm. opinions to a segment of the population, right? Yeah. And ideally, and I, I mean, especially mm-hmm. here in a university context, these are things that, like, I mean, you know, you're supposed to be teaching based on evidence based data um although you know (laughs) data Mm -hmm. data can be skewed um Uh, yes a bunch of different ways but Mm -hmm. uh, i don't know i just feel like we need more space for conversation i think i've I've, Mm -hmm. i think i've just i've had complicated conversations on the brain Mm. recently Mm -hmm. um and especially like i mean it's black history month Uh, Mm -hmm. i've seen some really cool events and 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 spaces Mm -hmm. that have been created um but Mm -hmm. 
it's true that the burden of education shouldn't be on the person on the person that is marginalized. Yeah. But then how do you create a space where people can come together and actually discuss these things? Yeah. Not necessarily in a perspective of I want to change your mind, but I simply want to humanize myself. Um, mm-hmm. I need to be a human being in your eyes and yeah. uh, I don't need you to endorse anything. I don't need you to police anything that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I simply need you to look at me in the eye and see that I'm a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where I was going with that, but I think I just needed to say those things out loud. <laughs> Entirely fair. They are important things to be said out loud. Thank you. We need to sit yeah. with the discomfort of not agreeing. Mm. I think that sometimes it's important. Um, I don't know how much I want to put myself in. Like I think, you know, a person of color who's queer and all sorts of other fun things. Um, I don't necessarily want to put myself into the shoes of someone who has a whole bunch of privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to understand what would make someone hate me without ever meeting me. I mean, once you've yeah. met me, then there's a whole bunch of reasons that you can dislike <laughs> me. And I'm okay with that. Um, but uh, Then that's disliking you as an individual human for individual human reasons. There. Yeah. I think I think you summed it up perfectly. Mm-hmm. Hate me for who I am. <laughs> like, hate me because I'm a pain in your butt and I'm annoying and I'm always late and, and, and <laughs> whatever. Like, hate me for those reasons. Don't mm-hmm. hate me for... Like... Things that I can't necessarily control. Hate me as an individual, not for being part of a group. Correct. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I, of course, am like the biggest people pleaser in the world. So I just please don't hate me at all. Ever. (laughs) I cannot handle anyone disliking me. (laughs) I get that. I get that. I used to be a people pleaser. And then uh, and then my 30s hit. And I was Mm. like, "Mm, nope. No longer interested. (laughs) I'm rounding on 30s, so would love if the same thing happens to me. I uh, Um, wish it on you. Thank you. Appreciate that. (laughs) Just on teachers. So there is one teacher who I think, who I really loved as an example of, like, I like that we see the gamut of, like, administrators and teachers who are really kind of letting their students down. And then teachers who are kind of, like, the best of teachers, um, you know, who like recognize talents that their students have and encourage them and also stand up for their students when other teachers are being like that. There, There's a beautiful moment of that in this book, which Absolutely. is just so powerful. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It sort of brought tears to my eyes when it was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was great. Um, yeah. Yeah. Teachers. Just make sure that you're taking care of your students. That you remember that they're humans. Mm -hmm. Don't hate them for what they are. Yeah. And, I mean, teachers can make such a difference. Like, teachers who, like, care about their students as individual human beings. Um, I don't know what could push someone into a teaching profession without wanting to consider each individual student as a human being, right? Like, I mean... Yeah, it's wild. Doesn't, like... Education is not something that you do willy-nilly. No, it It shouldn't be. It is something that you have to be intentional about. I'm very impressed by the educators that I've met and Mm -hmm. and at all levels and the care and, you know, the the desire to share that they Mm -hmm. possess. But every once in a while, I just go like... 
damn, like that bad teacher that I once had who really like I've had teachers who have almost turned mm-hmm. me off of education, period. And uh, and it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am fortunate that I've come into contact with people who changed that completely. Yeah. But I just I, I wonder what what I mean, they're human. I get that. Mm-hmm. But what? drives you to continue teaching when you just hate everyone that's in front of you yeah it's a mystery yeah unsolved for now (laughs) but one day eventually we will have an answer for you i don't know where that accent came from i (gasps) never want to hear it again (laughs) uh yeah this is just it's a really extremely lovely book um yeah and yeah, this has been a slightly different conversation than usual because we didn't want to spoil it because you should read it. Yes. Truly. Um, for so many reasons. Absolutely. It, it should be mandatory mm-hmm. reading. Uh, just just do it. It's great. Um, also, I cannot wait to see what Cameron Garrett does next. Oh, yeah. She's going places. Oh. Uh-huh. Huh. Yeah, I mean, this, I, I had no idea that I had forgotten that tidbit about her being like 17 when she wrote this. Um, yeah, and I mean, she, it was beautifully written. And so I don't know if you read or listened to the author's note, but she did so much research for this book and cites all of her sources. Um, <laughs> we like that. And yeah, it's just beautiful. Um, one of the other things, the final thing that I'm going to appreciate about this book um because I think it does a really good job um, of sort of both illustrating the specificity and also kind of generality is the wrong word. But like, I think like there, there are a lot of things that someone goes through that like it's very clearly like you see the, the specifics of the, the things that she's dealing with. But there's also a lot of not universal, but more broad relatability of the kinds of things she's struggling with um like um i i forget exactly what it is now but there were like certain things that resonated with me like as a trans person um or you know as someone who's chronically ill um and so i really it's just it's beautifully well done full disclosure by cameron garrett Mm-hmm. I'm glad we finally read this one. Yes. I love it. Yeah. Highly recommend it. Read it, read it, read it. I don't care who you are. Yeah. Just Get read it. it, everybody. Yeah. Every single human. Yeah. Um, like over the age of 14. Um. <laughs> Otherwise, a little complicated to understand. Although, yeah. if you've got a precocious 12-year-old, I think it could do. Yeah, absolutely. But you'll need to have a chat, too. Yes. All right. Thanks for listening to Yeah. If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, please say hi. Um, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at the yeah, at yeah Podcast and individually at the Balesosaurus. And at caddy double underscore D. If you'd like, uh, if you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreoncom podcast to donate. Shout out to our patrons: Catherine Resch, Erica Stutchbury, Kat McGuire, Lizzie Tenho, Chantal Thomas, and Matt Dever. We have merch. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at T Public. 
You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or uh, giving us a little thumbs up or a follow on Spotify. True. And you can also help us out by uh, sharing this episode with a friend. Mm-hmm. Anyone, really. Let's every, be honest. Every friend. Every friend for this book. Yeah. Just text all of your friends and say, listen <laughs> listen to this podcast and then use it as an opportunity to start a conversation with your crush who you don't talk to very often. Um, and then just, you're welcome. We've solved your romantic life. Oh. <laughs> Where have you been all my life? That's the advice I've needed. <laughs> Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by Tefra Jemian and edited by Tom Zlatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm Tom Zlatni, host and producer of Up for Discussion, the emotionally honest comedy podcast. What does that mean? It means we're not afraid to get vulnerable, explore the human side of comedy, and be super duper open about the ways that we're struggling to become better people along the way. Still have no idea what I'm talking about? Fair enough. Come give us a listen. The Up for Discussion podcast, available on the Upford Network and wherever else you get your podcasts. wash my hands here uh i know what you're wondering what are you doing in my bathroom well this is very easy to explain hold hold on let me let me just blow dry my hair here uh i'm here to tell you about lasers on the ride podcast it's available wherever you get your podcast it's a mix of comedy uh interviews and the existential drama that only real life can bring now i'm gonna go take a shower goodbye